Welcome to the Restless Hearts Podcast, a podcast dedicated to spiritual reflections and conversations about our journey together as human beings. I am Father Ray DeLugos, an Augustinian friar serving at Merrimack College as the Vice President for Mission and Ministry. It is a long-standing joke at Merrimack College that if you want good weather for an event, don't ask me to pray for that. My record is so bad that when people ask me to pray that we will have good weather for commencement or homecoming or any outdoor festivities, I am compelled to tell them that I am the wrong priest for the job, and they would really be better off praying for that themselves. I think this started when we were going to have the first Mass of the Holy Spirit during the opening week of school in September of 2012. I had planned this Mass to be held on the lawn between Cushing and Sullivan Halls. We had chairs set up. The altar was going to be on the porch of Cushing Hall. I had a procession in mind whereby the faculty would come from each of the other academic buildings, and the coaches in the athletic department had graciously agreed to bring their teams together in their team colors. And we had even planned to give away beach towels to the students as souvenirs. It was going to be great. Except that Hurricane Isaac decided to visit Merrimack that day with torrential rain and high winds. We moved the mass to the Rogers Center and filled it to the brim and a tradition was born, but not the way I had planned. In this podcast, I would like to share with you something of what I have learned about praying over the years. I have had to learn a lot, and not praying for good weather is hardly the most important lesson. See, for a long time, I really wanted to be good at praying, and I never felt like I was any good at it at all. I was easily distracted and even more easily bored. The time I would set aside to be present with mind and heart to God always seemed interminable. Nothing seemed to happen. And so it became very easy to just not bother with prayer other than some basics and rely on other things to put me in touch with God. I am still not a great prayer. I don't have mystical visions. I don't experience profound insights. I still get distracted more than I don't. I am not an expert or even a decent practitioner of techniques like centering, meditation, contemplation, spiritual reading, or journaling, although I have given them all a try, but not for long enough to actually master any of them. But nonetheless, somehow, through God not giving up on me and my own willingness to be more and more consistent and faithful to a regular practice of prayer, it has become an indispensable part of my life and of each day. Not as indispensable as lunch, but it has become an important and rewarding and fulfilling experience that I really don't want to miss. For this to happen, I had to learn some important lessons, and those are what I would like to share with you in the hope that you might find them helpful. Lesson number one is that it is essential to show up and stay put, no matter how bored or distracted or unfocused I may be. The thing is, no matter how hard I try, how deeply I concentrate, how much I am able to transcend my ordinary needs and wants, or how hungrily I may long for and search for God, I will never find God. But that's not the point of prayer. Rather, prayer gives God a chance to find me, 
or better for me to discover that God has found me and is loving me in a way that I could never have imagined or looked for. So I have learned not to try so hard and just show up. To do this, I need to remember and be reminded that God wants to find me way more than I want to find God, or more even than I want to be found by God, and that God will never stop looking for me until I find him finding me. All that is to say that prayer is not something that I can do. Prayer is God doing something in me. And letting go of my efforts and getting out of God's way has prayer made prayer not only easier, but richer than I could ever make it by my own efforts. Probably the most important and fundamental lesson that I have learned about prayer is that prayer is really not meant to change God's mind, God's heart, and God's will so that God will give me what I ask for. Rather, the point of prayer is for God to change my heart, my mind, and my will so that I can receive what God is giving me and so that I can hear what God is asking of me. In the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 1 to 8, Jesus tells us this parable about the necessity of praying always without becoming weary. There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, Render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time the judge was unwilling, but eventually he thought, While it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, Pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I was always puzzled and disturbed by this parable when I saw myself in the role of the persistent widow, having to beg and plead for what I needed and wanted, and God in the role of the unjust judge. Somehow neither of us seemed to be appropriately cast in our true roles. However, when I reversed the roles and began to see God in the persistent widow, who will not ever give up trying to get my attention and to call me to act with justice and mercy, and myself as the unjust judge, who cares for neither God nor any human being, the parable suddenly made all the sense in the world. It seems odd to see myself as having power over God, and even odder to perceive God as powerless, except for sheer persistence. But is that not really more accurate than the other way around? God does not need us pleading for justice but we sure need God to plead with us to do justice. And it is not really God's mind, heart, and will that need to be chained so that we can enjoy peace and health and prosperity and freedom and safety, but it sure is the case that it is our minds and hearts and wills that need to be changed for justice, peace, mercy, compassion, and equality to come about so that everyone has everything they need. My prayer doesn't make God more generous. 
but it sure can make me more generous. Along these same lines, a third lesson that I have learned about prayer is that it is really so much better to receive than to ask. It is still pretty habitual for me to go to God with a wish list for the day, whether for myself or for others. It is typical that I come with my agenda and plans and lists of challenges for which I am asking for help and grace and problems and obstacles that I would like to be moved out of my way. But when I am able to find a way to bring into my prayer questions for God like, what gifts do you want to give me today? And how will you show me your presence and your glory today? Then prayer comes alive for me. My best praying happens when I stop asking and just receive whatever God is pouring into my life at that moment and for that day. It is then possible for me to turn my attention away from my agenda and wish list and risk opening my ears and eyes and heart to what God's agenda for me that day might be. How is God directing me, calling me, giving me the grace to respond to what God really wants me to say or do or see or feel? But I have found that when my prayer is more about receiving than about doing, I am better able to do what God asks of me because I have access to the grace I need to carry it out. St. Augustine was able to say to God, give what you command and command what you will, meaning that he was willing to let God ask anything of him as long as God provided him with all the grace he needed to do God's will. I am not yet ready for that prayer, but starting with receiving God's gifts rather than placing orders for wish fulfillment has made prayer much more fulfilling and far less frustrating. A fourth important lesson that I've learned about prayer is that it is absolutely essential for me to be as authentically honest as I can possibly be with God about myself. If I am angry, sad, scared, ashamed, or happy, I cannot pretend not to be and expect to find God finding me. God, I have learned, is not the least bit interested in me being with me if I am not interested in being with myself, or if I am pretending to be better, worse, or in any way different than I truly am. I can't pretend to be humble when I am really proud, or courageous when I am terrified, or fine with being hurt or dismissed or ignored or taken advantage of when I am actually really angry, or hopeful when I am on the point of giving up. If I want to be found by God, I need to be where he is looking for me, and that is in my real and unvarnished truth. As part of our daily common prayer in Augustinian community life, we recite the Psalms. This is hard sometimes because we are praying in other people's words from another time and place and culture rather than our own. I am no expert on the Psalms, but after more than 40 years of reciting them out loud, they have gotten into my heart and soul in ways in which I am not even aware. It is typical for a psalm to start with complaining, with despair and distress, even with jealousy and bitterness, lamenting injustice and unfairness, and often without any explanation of what may have been changed, they end with praise, gratitude, and thanksgiving to God. More often than I care to admit, when I am honestly complaining, and truthfully sharing my resentment and my anger, 
my hurt and my disappointment, and perhaps most of all, my failure and my shame, I find God loving me in the midst of it. And my prayer changes me, even as it does nothing to change the reality I am facing or causing. A fifth lesson that I have learned is that what actually happens while I am praying, what I find myself thinking, feeling, hearing, seeing, or discovering, doesn't really matter all that much in comparison to what I find myself thinking, feeling, hearing, seeing, and discovering in the rest of the day. Sometimes I think prayer just helps me to tune in more precisely to the frequency in which God is speaking. And once that frequency is found, it picks up the signals all day long. It's not necessarily a stable frequency all the time. It's more often like our Zoom meetings when the internet connection is unstable. But without a good tuning in each day, I can't pick it up at all. A final lesson about prayer that I would like to share with you is one that I learned just this year. And that is that praying for other people can be an amazingly powerful way to see them differently than I ordinarily do. I have learned that it doesn't do much good to pray that others will be changed, just as it, as it isn't the point to pray so that God will change. I have discovered that by focusing on a person or a group in prayer, I am able to see the world through their eyes and hearts, to appreciate more what it must be like to be them, to hold as important what is important to them, to them, to recognize the value of the gift that they offer to all of us and what it costs to offer them that gift. When I truly pray for another, I am changed in how I see them, know them, appreciate them, and connect with them. At the outset of this academic year, I engaged in a project of visiting as many campus departments and offices as I could. To each of these visits, I came with a prayer that I had composed for the members of that department. To do so, I had to do a little research on what they, act and what they actually did for all of us and what was important to each of them. As a result, I discovered a sacredness and a depth of passion and commitment to goodness that I had not seen or felt before. Sharing these prayers was a beautiful experience and made me more committed than ever to ensure that one of the perks of working at Merrimack College will always be that whether or not you pray, you are prayed for. I had a similar experience as I was preparing to teach theology to undergraduates this semester. I've never really been satisfied with how that has gone. And my expectations, as my expectations and the students' expectations never seem to line up. Too often for me, teaching becomes a power struggle with me trying to offer something that students don't really want. And so not surprisingly, a struggle I always lose. But this semester, along with preparing a syllabus and lesson plans, I made it a point to study the class list and the photographs of the students that came with it. I memorized their names and prayed for each one of them every day for two weeks without knowing the first thing about any of them. As a result, they became persons with whom I had a deep relationship before I ever met them. It was great fun to greet each of them by name on the first day of class but even better to find myself focused on them as persons and not students, to communicate that they mattered more than their completed assignments on time mattered, and that theology is about connection and compassion and not doctrine and practice, 
and that it was okay with me for it to be that way. So in many, many ways, I have learned that praying can and does change me and lets God stay the same. So it's still not a good idea to ask me to pray for good weather. Peace and blessings on all.